You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. Beginning of a new week. This is the edition for Monday, May the 8th. I'm recording this Sunday evening before I board what I'm hoping is a flight home, though uh, thunderstorms here in Louisville, Kentucky may preclude that. My word, how lucky we were here with the weather over the weekend. It was wet in Newmarket as Sheen Murphy and Frankie Dettori dominated the headlines in the 1,000-2,000 guineas, uh, respectively, on Morge and Chaldean, whilst here in Kentucky. It was Mage that was successful in the 149th run for the Roses. Reflections on that in a few moments' time. Plenty of talking points as regards what happened in Newmarket. David Yates, my regular correspondent and newsboy from the Daily Mirror, has just this moment returned home from another uh, pulsating day on the Rowley Mile, which saw Asheen Murphy, who was uh, banned for most of last year, uh, return to the classic winner's enclosure in a fit of jubilation, and Said Bin Zero winning his first 1,000 guineas for Godolphin since 2002. David, lots uh, of news angles here. Uh, what was it like today on the Rowley Mile? A, a momentous day, Nick, just as yesterday was for very different reasons. Watching the 1,000 guineas, as they entered the final quarter mile, it, it looked, I think, to most people as if Tahira would pick Morge up. But Morge, to her great credit, just kept finding and battling and battling so that by the time they climbed the hill and got to the post, she still had half a length advantage. Oshin Murphy, as you mentioned, the, the fact that he received that 14-month ban in December 2021 um, for misleading BHA officials over his holiday destination during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020, also for those failed breath tests at Salisbury and Newmarket in 2021. His career was at a crossroads, but perhaps in a grander sense, his life was at a crossroads. He, he talked about um, his struggles with addiction. And this was very much a story of, of redemption. Um, but also, of course, Saeed bin Saroa. Remember the way that he dominated flat racing uh, towards the end of the last century and then into this one. It's his first classic success since mastery in the 2009 uh, St. Ledger. It's his first Group 1 since Thunder Snow in the Dubai World Cup of 2019. And it's his first domestic Group 1 since Far lifted the champion stakes at Ascot in 2013. So it's been a fair time um, between drinks, if I can use that rather clumsy phrase. Uh, but as I say, a, 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 a human interest story on two counts. As for Morge herself, does her season map itself out? Do you think what was what was Saeed bin Sarua suggesting might be might be next for her? Yeah, he was saying that uh, he felt the French Guineas would come too soon, and that he would send her to the to the Curra uh, for the Irish version. I think he sees her um, as a miler. 
Asheen Murphy said afterwards that he felt that she was capable of dominating the uh, the, the Phillies' mild division. It's probable uh, that Dermot, Mel Dermot Weld might have something to say about that. Um, he said that he would have loved another couple of weeks uh, with Tahira. I, I should think that that's, uh, that's a rivalry that we can look forward to as the summer unfolds. It was going to take quite a, a significant story to knock Frankie Dottori off top billing today. Uh, Frankie Dottori won the Colts Classic on Saturday aboard Chaldean, as we are now definitively pronouncing the horse, uh, in the silks of Judmont Farms uh, for Andrew Balding, Andrew Balding's second 2000 guineas after Cameco a couple of years ago. A lot of disappointments in this race, most notably the Aidan O'Brien pair. It was a poor weekend for, for Aidan O'Brien by his own ridiculously high standards. Uh, what were the, the key themes to come out of the, the, the 2000 guineas being, being on the ground, Dave? It was quite interesting with Dottori afterwards because you know the drill uh, with uh, Newmarket, Nick. They, they they come back to the winner's enclosure. The, the jockey goes back to the weighing room and then returns uh, to do media. And so Frankie had about five minutes in which to compose himself, but that wasn't nearly enough. Um, when when we spoke to him, we we had first go at him uh, as he returned uh, to to for the prize uh, giving, and he just said, "You're going to have to give me a, a little while. I've got so many conflicting emotions whirring around my head at the moment. I'm just going to have to take a bit of time out." And he he walked away from us, and we sort of the the, the media. Uh, members looked at each other and shrugged their shoulders and thought, well, come on, Frankie Olson, we're going to need a bit more than that. And indeed, he did give us that after uh, composing himself. So many strands to this. The fact, of course, that this is um, his last season riding. Um, he said, in fact, that when he got to the start, he felt really chilled out, that he's in a good place and that he doesn't have to worry about the future because this is his last ride. He, he keeps writing his own copy and as i say any idea that final year of of this momentous career was going to be a, an anti-climax well we certainly didn't get that impression on saturday one other interesting point was that um the late prince khalid abdullah's uh son saud was in attendance and uh, did an interview with uh, matt chapman on itv when he said that you know the anyone who might have wondered about the future of Judd Mont can be reassured that uh, their their commitment to uh, the uh, the famous silts continuing in British horse racing that their, their commitment to that is total, which is very good news. the The breeder of of this horse Callian was not Judd Mont though they they bought this horse uh, from Whitsbury Manor Stud, who's Ed Harper. Uh, I spoke to. Uh, just a few moments ago, uh, and this is is how he was feeling about uh, this fa famous win for a Whitsbury homebred. It's been a whirlwind weekend. Um, I convinced myself with every drop of rain that uh, he, he wasn't going to be winning it, so it actually ended up being a nice surprise. Uh, so I, I wasn't really petrified when the gates opened, but I certainly was two furlongs out when I saw Frankie got the fractions absolutely right and we were in with a shout. I know we've we've talked about this on this podcast before, but I think it bears repeating. You know the story of the the acquisition of of Suelita, the the broodmare, and and just remind everyone the the circumstances in which it came about. Well, I was very lucky um, in that Dad wanted a very clean handover when I came home about twelve years ago, uh, and he and he wrote to me and said, "Right, 
every decision's yours now, um, which which was big on his part. Um, but the one time he's broken that rule and the only one purchase he's made in, in that time um, was to buy Suelita. And um, yeah, he came up to me at the sales and said, oh, I hope you don't mind, I just bought one. And I said, oh, that's interesting, what you bought? And that, and that was her. So, crikey, yeah, his, uh, his record uh, of buying is uh, unsurpassable. And, and did that make you think, you know, growing up and learning from, from him as well, did that make you think, hang on a minute, he must have seen something here that's pretty, pretty off the chart or pretty unusual or pretty extraordinary? What do you think it was? It was an old, she was from an old family of Gerald Lee's and Gerald Lee was a very good friend of, of dad's uh, and they had a bit of success uh, with a mayor called Hedy from that family who was the damn South Salon who was second to Russian Rhythm in the Lockinch and you know she was one of our best mayors in the, in the mid 90s and so when the, the family popped up again he couldn't resist it thank goodness. So really, you're you're really dipping into your own your own treasure trove. But this is this is taking it to a to a whole new level. And you'd already had Alcumate out of the mayor. And I remember when we had the conversation about her um, a couple of years ago, you were you were sort of wondering whether whether it was more of a, a sprint based speed based project going forward. And and this this seems to have have, have taken you into a different realm a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what Frankel can do, can't he? It, it, we we wondered whether it would work. She, she's a small mare. She's close coupled. Physically uh, showcasing, you know, bri- brilliant on, on speed for, for, for the mare. But ideally, um, she might want something with a little bit more scope. And, you know, Frankel did that perfectly. Even though Chaldean's not a big horse himself, um, he's, he's got a massive stride. Um, you know, it's, it's for all to see. He really points his toe, and uh, yeah, I mean, my gut feeling he's a miler, but um, that, that's for Andrew Balding and Jobmon to decide. And what is the what is the future for the family looking like? So we sold the Kingman filly fold that Jodmon kindly bought off us for a lot of money in December. She's had a beauty of a showcase in Colt uh, that is obviously a foal, and now a foot that's about a month old or a bit more. Um, uh, so that's a full brother to Alchemate and Get Ahead, uh, two very good ones by showcasing. Uh, and she's been covered by Frankel again, recently tested in fall, which was a bit of a high five moment all round. Um, still early days, but 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 it looked good. Uh, so no, it's it's a great testament to the team. She's she's been, you know, they. <laughs> Pink and Equine have, have got her in full just about every click and the guys have done brilliantly looking after the mayor. When you've got a mayor of that class, uh, it is quite frightening, especially on a stud like ours that aren't, you know, not, we haven't really had a mayor like that before. So to entrust her with, with the team, uh, Phil, Matt, uh, Phil Hayworth, the stud manager, and Ben Tappenden, my broommare manager, you know, they do a fantastic job and... Uh, yeah, we, we're just going to, uh, you know, keep keep our heads down and, and hope we can do our best for Sulita. That was Ed Harper there from Whitsbury Manor Stud. Let, let's just tidy up some of the other storylines out of the guineas. The, the disappointment of the Aidan O'Brien runners over both days, uh, Dave. Uh, they had to alter their travel arrangements. Uh, the ground probably went against them, but notwithstanding all of that, by his own ridiculously high standards, it was a bit of a no-show. Yes, it was. Um, Aidan O'Brien said after the 2000 guineas that it was um, a little bit of a non-event. Um, Auguste Rodin finished uh, 12th of 
the 14 and and little big bear was stone last in 14th uh, place um little big bear finished lame having been struck into there was there was a bit of a coming together between the two of them um august rodan the 13 to 8 favorite aiden o'brien seemed to suggest that he thought that that had done for his chance. He said that the, the Colt is fine this morning. He, he said, gave nothing really with regard to future plans. Obviously, back to the, the, the drawing board uh, to a certain degree. And then, of course, today, a, a, another disappointing run. Meditate was beaten by Tahir in the in the Moyglair stud, and she could manage no better than sixth place. There's quite a bit of chatter about the ground, David. There was obviously a, a downpour midway through Saturday afternoon that turned the ground soft for the 2,000 guineas. It was still officially soft for the 1,000 guineas. Uh, the Times, though, suggesting it, it wasn't really. It must have dried up a bit, uh, if not quite a lot. Uh, is the charge of overwatering a fair one or not, do you think? I, I think it's um, a fair a fair charge. Yes, I mean the it according to um, most people that that this rain was forecast and it, the track was watered. So uh, you know I think that uh, Michael Prosser is is one of the very best clerks of the course that we've got here. Uh, but I do think in this case that uh, he made a mistake. And there wasn't much joy, Dave, either for Aidan O'Brien in the in the. A derby trial in uh, at Leopardstown, which went to Jessica Harrington. Yes, yeah, that's, that's right. Spruel, I hope I pronounced that uh, winner's name correctly, was Jessica Harrington's winner. Um, the favourite was Donna O'Brien's proud and regal, finished third. Joseph O'Brien's up and under was second. But um, Aidan's trio of representatives finished fourth, sixth and last of eight. They were London, a tower of London and Mohawk chief. Um, the the Derby picture at the moment, Nick, looks very, very interesting and rather opaque. Remember that Auguste Rodin was the 74 favourite uh, for Epsom going into this. We are now six to one the field. That is military order and Auguste mm. Rodin uh, flying on as his tens and Spruill who um, won, of course, the, the race that uh, we used to know as the, the Town start. It's now just the Derby Trial Stakes, is a best price 16 to 1 for Epsom next month. Yeah, and of course, uh, given the fact that Imperial Emperor, who was going to be Godolphin's leading Derby Hope, is also out now of, of that race, it could be one of those years where everybody fancies having a go at the Derby, which could make it uh, very interesting. John Gosden looks to have an interesting contender going to Chester this week in another Judmont cult called Arrest, who Thady Gosden put up as a horse to follow uh, earlier on this season. Refugees from the derby of two years ago, they've come back and I don't think Adeyar needed to redeem himself, but they both won at Newmarket uh, over the weekend. Hurricane Lane certainly needed to, to redeem himself. Yes, he did. Um, he had a, an underwhelming campaign of just uh, the two runs, of course, in uh, 2022. Uh, he, he was then really disappointing in uh, the John Porter at Newbury on his reappearance. But he was very, very impressive in uh, the Jockey Club stakes. Um, he had worked in cheek pieces earlier in the week. I, I don't think it's overstating it to say that Hurricane Lane was um, at a, a crossroads, but he won the Group 2 test by six lengths. And uh, now he could go for the Hardwick at Royal Ascot, which was the race in which he was a beaten odds on favourite uh, last June. So uh, that five-year-old thriving and 
Also, Adiar um, making his return to action today uh, in the um, rescheduled Gordon Richards stakes. He made a, 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 a fluent comeback too, and he's now uh, en route for Royal Ascot, the Prince of Wales' stakes. Okay. Uh, I just want to have a, a word about John Gosden's pretty Polly winner, Running Lion. We heard from her owner, breeder, David Howden, on the show a couple of days ago, and he, he rather gave a, a pretty strong hint that this was the plan in a race that he sponsored. Gosden suggesting maybe that it's France rather than, than Epsom for her. Yeah, it's interesting that. He said um, after after watching Running Line, of course, who was also an amount of a Sheen Murphy, scored in really impressive style by uh, four and a half lengths. Um, John Gosden said, we will give it a lot of thought, but the idea would be to go probably to one of the Oaks. Which one, I don't know. We won the DN last year with Nashua, and it's a wonderful race. I knew we had a nice, a nice filly, but anyone running today had to handle that ground, and she showed a lot of class. So, yes, indeed, uh, running line got a quote of six to one uh, for the Oaks, but certainly John Gosden, well, I, I think that it... it, it least even-handed with regard to uh, Shanti and Epsom and reading uh, his quote or listening to his quotes um, after the Pretty Polly Stakes, I think that France is probably the more likely option. Okay. Um, he is also eyeing up France with Epictetus, his winner of the Blue Ribbons trial at Epsom a couple of weeks ago. And if that horse goes there to the Breeders' Jockey Club, he may well run into a horse he won at Goodwood over the weekend, who looks a mighty prospect for Charlie Hills, whose horses are running out of their skin. And Mutasabek was a, an impressive winner for him at Newmarket as well. But I started off by asking him about Cicero's gift, the Goodwood winner, and whether the Prix de Jockey Club remained on the agenda. I was I was really delighted. You know, he did everything right in that race. Um, you know, he got a nice bit of cover and settled nicely. Uh, but I love the way you know, he quickened up and and um, hit the line pretty hard. So that was great. Um, I don't know, you know, at the moment he looks pretty good over a mile. So I think we'd just like to see how he trains the next couple of weeks. And then you see they're going to be, in a, yeah, he'll be in either a British Chocolate Club or um, maybe look at Royal Ascot for the St. James's Palace. Uh, he's a horse who's, you know, he's just taken a bit of a time to come to himself. He's, uh, you know, he did, obviously that's why he was likely raced last year. Um, so he's been you know, slowly improving, uh, but I think he's got, he's got enough experience now under his belt to. Now you were very confident last week that Mutasabek would finally put his best foot forward. Indeed, he did uh, at Newmarket. But, you know, I think we got a nice, easy, easy time of it in front, which helped. And uh, you know, when Jim asked him to to extend, you know, he extended really good um, and put the put the race to bed pretty quickly. Uh, but I'd like, you know, it's great to see him win over a mile like that. So it gives us more options where to go uh, from here. I mean, I, I'll probably look at. We obviously got the lock-in entry. Uh, we'll have a look at that. See how he trains in the next next ten ten days. But uh, so like the Queen Anne could really suit him. Fantastic. And and just looking at the 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 other performances of, of your horses, Galleron ran a, a tremendous race in the in the Guineas. Did he surpass your expectations? Uh, yeah, he sort of didn't, didn't he? You know, he's he's always he's never run a real bad race. You know, he's always been up to it. Uh, every time we've asked him to ask a question, he's always come up with it. You know, and 
he's a lovely horse great um, attitude I think he'll keep improving and he's he's a star of a horse really you know uh, we've got a few options we look at the Irish guineas for him I think see how everything unfolds the next couple of weeks and that's, that's an option you know we've, we've sort of had in the back of our minds the Golden Eagle October sort of yeah so I think pretty good woods the last time he could run in England so we'll have to train him for, from there till then and obviously looking forward to, to Chester which horses do you think are going to shine for the yard uh, on the Rudy a, a festival that your family's had so much success in down the years yeah I mean dad's had a lot more success than I have there for sure so um, you know I'm looking forward to going there I've been there for a bit uh, we've got Lose, Lose Your Ward I think you're running in the, in the D stakes um, yeah uh, Jerry Hines who's um, sponsored our yard a nice horse by Muhara uh, he's his form looks quite nice, so um, yeah, it'd just be interesting, interesting to see where he is, really. Well, there is never a dull Kentucky Derby. There was a lot of drama leading up to it, and the finish was a terrific one as well. The winner has got everything in front of him, it seems, so inexperienced going into the race, and what a future ahead, we hope, for Mage. But he's won the Kentucky Derby, the 149th Kentucky Derby, and we've been following his career on the podcast, right, since January, February, before he ran in the Fountain of Youth at Florida with his co-owner, Ramiro Restrepo, who, who joins me now. Uh, he read the script for you, all right? No, look, Nick, this is what dreams are made out of. You know, um, it's amazing how we've been chatting for about this horse now for a few months. It's an incredible, incredible experience. It's just a, a testament to the whole Barnes time, dedication, and sacrifice. Uh, Gustavo, senior and junior, and everyone at the barn, you know, uh, my job was done at the sale, and it's, it's been an amazing thing to be a passenger and, uh, you know, co-owner of this horse all the way down. But this is this is what dreams are made out of, and you, we, we just couldn't be, you know, any happier. We're just all floating on cloud nine. I mean, talk me through how you were feeling in the in the hours before the race and what you really believed in your heart of hearts this horse was capable of you know my friends kept asking me if i was nervous you know if i was you know shaking in my boots if i wasn't you know if i, if I could handle you know this pressure and i i i, I cannot be hand of god nick i was just so calm i was just enjoying the experience soaking it in and, and, and being in the present because anytime I've ever been in any race of any significance with other horses of mine that I'm 30 to 1, 50 to 1, 80 to 1, I know I'm going to get whooped. It's more about a, a prayer and a hope that we can spring some miracle. This is the first time that I, that, I, that I go into a big race with a horse that I know can run, like for real. Like the, I know that the Florida Derby was no fluke. I know how he was doing. I knew how he was training. I I, I know that he has ability. I know he's a special horse. So when you when you're when you know you're loaded, I don't pay attention to odds. And while I respect people's opinions, I don't listen to them when it comes to the race. And I knew how well he took to this track. He was like when he got on this track, he was loving this dirt course, loving it. And the weather as opposed to the, the Florida humidity, he was he was just coming out of his skin. So I knew that if we could give the champion that that kind of run for his money in the Florida Derby, and we felt that that was a really strong prep race, 
as far as Forte and us, that I I didn't care what you know who else was in that race, and with the unfortunate scratch of Forte, I knew that the horse. I just had the confidence that the horse was going to show up. Now that I think he was going to win, no, but when you're confident in your horse, at least it puts you at ease. So. The, the, the more the, the explosion of emotion comes from the realization of the dream, but I was able to just experience an amazing week here at Churchill every morning and, and just enjoying the process rather than be than, than, than to be scared and nervous. The question for everyone now is, does he roll on to Baltimore in two weeks' time? Uh, the Triple Crown seems to have gone in, in fashion, out of fashion again, uh, and it's not sort of automatically considered that horses will go to, to the Preakness. It looks as though Forte might go. Are you keen for the rematch? Well, you know, always you always want to you know face the best, and and uh, you have to respect you know the, the, he's the you know he's the champ from from last year, and you know he's done everything right, and he deserves the opportunity to to uh, to to run in the Preakness if all is well on his end, and you know if our horse our horse this morning looked fantastic, everything seems to be a go. Uh, all the partners are obviously keen on going to the Preakness, and if everything continues on the path, we'll we'll, we'll face whoever shows up uh, in Maryland. Uh, many congratulations! What a what an extraordinary day, and and I imagine for you, just something you never imagined that you would experience. <laughs> Nick, thank you for having me on. As always, you're a good look charm, um, and it's just uh, we're just gonna soak it all in and you know, keep floating for the next couple of weeks and uh, hopefully we can keep the dream going. All right, that was Ramiro Restrepo, clearly delighted at the success of Mage in the Kentucky Derby. He looks as if he's bound for the Preakness. It looks as though, according to owner Mike Rapoli, that Forte, who couldn't run in yesterday's derby because of that foot bruise, is also bound for the Preakness. They were 1-2 in the Florida Derby. Roll on the rematch. Here's Matt Bonier, my NBC broadcast colleague. Matt, what did you make of it all yesterday? Great effort from Mage. I mean, this is a horse that very lightly raced. My fear was that it was going to be too much too soon for him, only his fourth lifetime start. But uh, he came and he answered the bell and he ran down a good horse in two fills, who I think you could make the case ran too well to actually not be a winner in a spot like this. But Mage was the best. I think my favorite part is that Javier Castellano finally got that derby mount, that derby victory, I should say, that uh, was really the only thing missing from a Hall of Fame resume. So, Great effort there, but you kind of touched on it, Nick. If you're part of the Forte camp, you have to feel a little bit like, look, we've defeated this horse on the square twice. We probably would have won Derby if we were able to run. Yeah, yeah, it's inconceivable he wouldn't have been involved. Let's get down to that then. Todd Pletcher gave a very diplomatic interview yesterday's NBC broadcast, but when asked the direct question by Brittany Erton, did you agree with the vet's decision, he stopped short of saying yes. Um, what sort of what sort of place do we find ourselves in at the moment with regard to withdrawals of high profile horses before high profile races? Well, I, th- I think Todd said it without saying it that maybe in years prior, and we heard Jerry Bailey and Randy Moss talking about it on the desk in years in the past. I don't think this horse would have been scratched, but given all the the recent scrutiny and and deserved scrutiny with everything that's going on with equine fatalities, I think the last thing anyone could afford was to have a horse go out there in the derby and have something go wrong knowing that maybe he wasn't 100 percent going into the race so um i feel for everybody involved with the horse but at the same time i don't know that i can say personally and again i don't have any skin in the game 
that I disagree with the call because you're just making sure that, you know, you don't want anything to happen on your biggest stage. And I think that's why they acted the way that they did. Now, hopefully with this little bit of time off, Forte can heal up and he is 100% and we get to see him come back in a couple weeks at Pimlico and both he and Mage can throw it down and made the best horse win. A gut feeling at the moment on what you've seen yesterday, what you saw Friday in the Kentucky Oaks, what we might see in the Preakness. Who do you think is going to land up the year as the best three-year-old in the U.S.? Oh, it's so hard to say because this is a division that just continues to sort of take turns beating one another, right? These three-year-old boys, you can't really make heads or tails about who is actually the best, I guess, right now because Mage has the grade one Kentucky Derby to his name. He is the leader in the clubhouse. But uh, I can't sit here with any kind of confidence and say that Forte isn't a better horse than he is. I also can't say that a horse like Two Fills, who, given the way the race played out, I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that he ran the best race. The pace was off the charts. He was the closest to it throughout, and he was still boxing on at the end. Both Mage and Angel of Empire had the benefit of rallying into those fast fractions. So, again, you know, it is what it is. Two Fills didn't win the race, but I think he ran a winning race, if, if hopefully folks understand what I'm saying there. Um and who knows what some of these fresh faces in Baltimore could do. You know, Brad Cox has gone on record saying he really believes that first mission is an elite racehorse. And he just kind of started developing a little too late to get on the scene for the Derby. But he won the Lexington in his most recent start. But the fresh faces, the new shooters, he's going to be the one that probably is the big force to be reckoned with. Um and just a reflection on the on the Kentucky Oaks, Matt, pretty mischievous. She went round there like a very, very good filly. Yeah, she got a bit tired late and had to cling on grimly. But um, could she do bigger and better things now with that under her belt, do you think? Well, you know, all, all credit to Brendan Walsh for putting the blinkers on. That's an aggressive move to make an equipment change leading into the biggest race of a horse's career. But it was 1,000% the correct call because – she looked like an absolute Cadillac rounding the far turn at the top of the lane. Tyler Gaffaleone hadn't even moved his hands yet, and she was already in front. So it was a giant performance. There's no reason to think that she can't continue on and build off of that. Uh, I do wonder. I think nine furlongs is the absolute peak for her. I don't really look at her as a horse down the road that will want ten furlongs. And the good news for her and Godolphin and Brendan Walsh and everyone involved, uh, the vast majority of the three-year-old filly races are at eight half or nine furlongs so that shouldn't be much of an issue i don't see any reason why she can't get bigger and better and be a major player in that older female division okay my thanks to matt and to ramiro and earlier in the show to charlie hills and to ed harper david yates is still with me david have you got something for me for today I have indeed uh we are going to the seven fifteen at windsor this evening, Asheen Murphy on the back of that victory in the 1,000 guineas. He can win a, a a prize at a more mundane level. Number four, bang on the bell. Uh, not exactly a dark one, this one. Uh, bidding for a hat-trick after wins at Wolverhampton and Yarmouth. Up just two pounds for the latter of those. And I hope can rack up the hat-trick here. 7.15 race at Windsor. Selection is number four, bang on the bell. Right. Anybody's guess whether I make it home overnight? I don't know where I'll be by the time you listen to this, uh, but what I can tell you is that I'm supposed to be at Fakenham on Tuesday. Um, how do you bet, Dave? Yeah, I think you'll make that. I'm backing you to uh, to make it to uh, that charming 
outpost in Norfolk. It, it, it'll almost be as hard getting uh, through Thetford Forest, I suspect, when you come back. But anyway, there we go. Uh, it's North Norfolk Digital for me uh, later in the week. Um, wish me luck. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.